You are listening to a Commonwealth Bank of Australia Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. This podcast provides general market-related information and is not intended to be an investment research report. The information contained in this podcast is based on previously published material, and before listening, you're advised to read the full Global Economic and Markets Research Disclaimers, which can be found at combankresearch.com.au. Welcome to the Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. My name is Belinda Allen and I'm a Senior Economist here at ComBank. And today I'm joined by Tobin Gorey, our Ag Strategist, in our quarterly Ag Q podcast. Tobin, nice to have you on. Good to speak to you again, Belinda. Now, there's been a lot going on in the agricultural space. Uh, I think what we've seen over, it's now six months now since uh, the war in the Ukraine is the agricultural space be incredibly topical uh, and one of the things that we saw uh, early in the year is obviously a big lift in prices but that wasn't purely driven by the Ukraine but it certainly uh, sped gains that were already in the system uh, further higher weren't they? Oh, no, that, that's exactly right so I think you know it's it's Russia invading Ukraine is important in a very big number of ways, mm. whether it's on agriculture, obviously, it's also affecting us. But um, in terms of thinking about where ag commodity prices, you know, what they've done and what they might do, you know, in the future, um, there's other factors going in there, in there, as you say. So, you know, I, I just put some numbers on it. Um, up until say in January, before there was any even any even inkling that Russia might invade Ukraine, the the period from uh, September 2020 mm. up until the January, uh, ag, uh, one broad index of agri commodity prices, it was up 55 percent at the time. For even before that invasion of the Ukraine. Yeah, that, 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 that's right. That's mm. right. And then, uh, and then, and then Russia invaded Ukraine. That boosted prices again, particularly for grains, wheat, very much in particular, and that that sort of pushed the whole index, you know, probably about 15 percent. Um, to mid May, at, at the time the prices kind of peaked. Then they've come back a bit since then. They're still the two percent above where uh, where uh, they were before Russia invaded, but uh, they've lost a lot of that, you know, invasion boost. Now, some of that is to do with the fact that, you know, we're, we're less worried about getting grain out of Ukraine now and Russia, for that matter, than we were at that sort of peak peak uh, peak worry point. Um, but there's also a few other things going on as well in the macro world that have pulled mm. prices down somewhat. And, and as you say, clearly there was something else going on in the space uh, prior to uh, the war in the Ukraine because we saw such a, a big increase prior to that. Now, we're not saying mm. Russia wasn't a historic event. I think that's obviously been pretty clear. But it wasn't the mm. only reason why uh, prices were high. So, and, and I like how you've titled uh, your AgQ, The Rest and the Ukraine. So I guess it's trying to disentangle how much was the Ukraine and how much was the rest. And That's as, right. I'm, yeah. Okay. Now, and that has, um, I mean, I just, it, it is just trying to say, normally it's obviously you say Ukraine and the rest, but it's, it, it, it's really not. It's the rest that's a, that's a big deal. So, um, you know, the – and – well, these in total across the globe, you know, inventory has been run down mm. uh, for the major major ag, well, the crop commodities anyway uh, over that time. It started tightening up in 2020. Um, that's when the, the price rally started. And and really, you know, even looking at 2022, um, we probably weren't going to make much progress on uh, resolving that supply tightness in, in the season we're in now. Uh, as a result of that, um, you know, price, prices are going to be high anyway. Uh, they were. 
so yeah, you know, and the other thing there is, it's not just about we've we've had some yeah poor crops here and there, not mm. really really bad ones, but uh, our our take is that we're actually sort of pushing up against the some capacity constraints there as well. So we probably need uh, we probably need more capacity to produce in these crops uh, to get us back to supply comfort. So um, and uh, of course in that context though. Uh, you throw in the Russian uh, invading Ukraine, um, and um, you know supplies already tight, mm. and that takes a big liquor production off the market. What it looked like would be a big, big liquor production off the market. So, you know, at the worst fears of that, you know, people worried that even Russia wouldn't be exporting grain. Um, now, of course, that, that wasn't realised. Um, Russia's like to export normal quantities um, this year. There, there's sanctions there that sort of interfere with it a bit, but. You know, I think the, the rest of the world is quite happy for the exporting that just because it would raise food prices too much for, for very poor people in the world. Uh, and since then, of course, we started to get some grain out of the Ukraine through that Black Sea export corridor, which is um, which for now is working. So that uh, that that uh, that sort of pulled the fear down. But still, in the end, um, we're still left with the fact that um, you know, uh, commodity prices are still 55, 60 percent higher than they were. Uh, you know, two years ago now, um, and, and and there was a reason for that, and that's just that background global supply tightness we're talking about. So before we get into that global supply tightness, I mean, as you said, we have seen prices fall in more recent months. There's certainly some big macro drivers behind that. I mean, if I just hmm. think about the timing uh, back to mid-May, it's really when central banks started to get very aggressive uh, with their hikes in uh, interest rates. So uh, our own Reserve Bank of Australia started lifting rates in May, but you certainly did see an acceleration and the size of interest rate hikes, uh, particularly by uh, the US and Canada. Has that macro shift and concerns around a slowdown, if not recession, in some of these major economies, has that uh, impacted your space at all? Oh, d- d- definitely, because... And there's almost like, as you say about the central banks, they're going from they're going from point where they've got the monetary fire hose on, mm. um, it's sort of uber loose, uh, to promising to get things back into pretty restrictive territory pretty quickly. So, you know, and you know, prior to that, uh, prior to that, that sort of turn by the central banks, um, you know, investors had been looking at inflation, yeah, uh, and they, and then one of the things they buy. Would, in that context is, is commodities because they're seen as age against inflation. Um, so, you know, you get to points sort of, you know, around, you know, you know, April, probably most definitely in May, yeah. um, the, you know, the, the central banks have sort of been saying for some time that the fire is being turned off and then with, as in proof that inflation was rising rather than just some temporary thing, they had, uh, they, they were going to Tighten quite a bit, and that, and that, and that, when that message landed, um, you know, inflation hedges mm. uh, became less popular with investors. So they sold a lot of commodities we, 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 on, on that basis, and then because of those two things, I mean, it's also obviously, you know, the only really way you get slower inflation is slower growth, mm. and that that never does good stuff for commodities in general. Uh, that's mostly for the for the energy commodities and the metal commodities. Um, they have a much more intimate connection with the cycle than do than do ags. Um, it's not that ags have nothing. You know, food does vary a bit with the cycle, but much of the variation gets absorbed in you know the value added uh, after farm gate up to the plate. Um, in terms, of, so you so you buy lower quality food, or you don't eat out as often, or you, know, you buy your generic cornflakes rather than the really expensive ones and things like that. Um, so that and that you know, that 
what that does at the end of it though is it's not really doesn't really do much to um, demand for the for the food commodities that go into those products and such. And I think that's that's what we've already seen in Australia so far, just with higher interest rates, is we have seen, particularly in August, some signs of pullback in that eating and drinking out. So as you said, that more discretionary yeah. spend is certainly yeah. one of the, the areas that we are seeing an impact uh, first and foremost. Now, before, yeah, we, before we get on to sure. kind of talking about the supply uh, constraints and, and probably the need for uh, an increase in a productive capacity, which I think can be set across the whole of, of the economy, not just the ag space, is what's the role of, of China in all of this? Because I think one of the, in a way, the surprise packages of 2022 has just been the weakness in the Chinese economy. Now, COVID lockdowns and that continued focus on COVID outbreaks and COVID zero policy has kept a lid on the Chinese economy. I think it definitely has. I think the thing is, I think the... I'd, lockdowns, I think, as we all eventually thought, mm. it's not a game you can play repeatedly. Um, it's, it's difficult, but, but China has a couple other problems in there that make it even worse to do that. And, and one of them is, is a very specific and visible property bust. Yes. Um, and, you know, asset price bubbles, which is and it's the burst of an asset price bubble, they always take a long while to work out and recover from, uh, even in the best circumstances. Um, and on top of that, you know, partly related to the property bust, but more just general to the, um, I think, um, yeah, the, re- the, the Communist Party reasserting its its central role in China is that um, it's, it's shaken a lot of investor confidence too. Yeah. So that old you know, default that you know, just, just by China, um, um, it's probably been replaced by something else, but it's certainly that, that, that the, the, the power of that, star power of that statement has just, has really, really waned. So in that context, you've got sort of a, you know, almost a, um, it's a structural change there, a paradigm shift about it that, that is just, is, is weighing on its growth. So it is, it is a bit of a, so I, I, I characterise as a panda on a high wire, which is, yeah. um, they never particularly well balanced things anyway. Um, and that, that's a pretty difficult one. So we don't just, I mean, we, we're not sure. Most people are sceptical that yeah, you can you can you can put those two things anyway with the the property and the investors, and chuck in the lockdowns on top yeah. of that, and that, that's a that's a really nasty brew. We think. So that the macro landscape has obviously meant that uh, that's impacted on the price of, of commodities and agri commodities, uh, and you talked about that earlier on. Mm. But you've also got these micro forces at play, and you, you kind of alluded to them earlier that in many commodities in many agri-commodities suppliers is tight or close to it. So how does hmm. the macro and the micro kind of uh, play out here? Well, I guess the, 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 I mean, there is, and it's, it is certainly an ag, but there's, I mean, you, you talk to Vivek Dar, our you yeah. know, hard commodity colleague, um, he'll be able to point out you know, any number of different parts of the hard commodity world where there mm. is supply constraints. Um, what the macro does, and it does it more for the hard stuff than it does for the ags, but it just creates some breathing space. Yeah. So, you know, if you're past your capacity constraint, it eases that pressure on that. Or if you're not quite there yet, you know, the the the, the time at which you will get to that constraint is a little further out in time, depending on how severe your slowdown is. So the thing is that you, you will actually get there in the end. Um, it, it, it creates some uh, things there, but but that's that, that's kind of where the the, the macro the micro interface. Mm. So the, really, with macro here, we're talking about a demand side, and the micro we're talking about a supply yeah. side. And you know, the supply side can you know it can you know it's not some sort of inflexible 
you know, wall or something like that. People work around these things, but there's only so much that you can do before it um, before, before it becomes a problem. So, you know, what, what we what we need here in the end is that um, it just means just more investment and capacity, in, yes. particularly in the crops in ag commodities. Um, and and you know, the, the, so the question here is, you know, uh, are prices high enough to do that? Um, um, that, that that's kind of our key thing now. And what's the answer? Because I think, as you said, I mean, prices have been rising for uh, close to two years now. I mean, they have fallen yep. more recently. But at what point will prices be enough to really encourage investment into that space? Well, it, 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 is, it is hard to say. Because mm. we're talking, you can do some incremental things, but I think you need some substantial investment. I mean, even on the supply chain of things, you can see you know, blockages of ports in Australia, yes. uh, constraints to the same capacity in Russia as well, uh, where it's not getting out. Now, that's, that's, that's the supply chain, not the production itself, obviously. But there's, there's those things along there. So, you know, if prices are basically up 60% in that time, the thing is that price rise, though, has also been accompanied by a huge increase in costs, and that's particularly from the energy side. Yes. And this is and the, probably the more – Yeah, like, well, and that's you – know, so, so it's direct energy mm. cost, that fuel or indirectly into the fertilizer. So mm. and so so things that so we see that that big rise in prices, but um, that's not that's going through profits at a nothing like one for one rate. So um, and you know, given expected profitability is what will drive the investment, um, we're a bit skeptical that it's done much at all uh, to, to get that there. So, you know, the you know, what we've seen globally this year in terms just in terms of what was what was pre season expectations for harvest area across the world it basically didn't change this year, right. despite the fact that prices have gone up. Um, so now there are some places were higher, some places were lower and so on, but you know, overall we're not getting expansion. And so that, and that, that so even at the level where, where, you know, growers will, you know, plant the marginal, you know, land that's not normally productive and so on. So productive because you need to, they do too much work with it fertilizer wise and things like that to get, you know, commercial yields. Um, they're not doing it. So, and that and that that to us is a sort of is a reasonable indication that the pricing's not there yet. Yeah. Um, to to create some investment. So what what can trigger that? Like what can trigger that change? Because we've kind of said prices are there for a while. We're probably not at that point yet. But but what are some triggers for a turning point? Well, uh, part of the, the issue is that is that uh, you know in, when people worry about macro stuff, which pretty much demand anyway. Yes. Um, the, the, the people sort of don't, tend to be less interested in investing somehow in commodities. Um, but the, I, I, I guess there's, there's a few sort of, there's three streams of triggers we think we're thinking about um, to, that, that might say this. The first one is that, you know, eventually we're going to get to a point where um, you know, you either think you know all the bad news or you're pretty confident you know all the bad news on the economy mm-hmm. and it's how I particularly how high interest rates are going to do, go yes. so you, know, you think you're up far enough to get inflation down therefore you know the worst case on economic growth um, that, that, that may come quickly um, uh, but it may not too but uh, but you know, to, to us it, it might simply be a case of like you know that you know the worst as far out as you can as far as you can see um, and that's kind of it, that may be the trigger for the turn uh, in price but uh, but it also might just be a necessary condition anyway. So you stop worrying about demand, not necessarily you're positive about it, but still worrying about it. So do that. Second one is, you know, it, you know, ag being outdoors, it could be you know, very big supply cuts just from unseasonable weather. Of in course, the, place. the weather. So yeah, it's always the weather, right? <laughs> now that's probably a bit too late now for like you know 
Southern Hemisphere winter crops, I like Australia's, and yes. and uh, Northern Northern Hemisphere summer crops. It's probably a bit late in the day for them to have major weather issues. Um, not impossible, but just much less likely. So really what we're talking about here in terms of timing is that uh, it's, it's Southern Hemisphere summer crops, so pretty much Brazil and Argentina. They will face a La Nina summer again. And that uh, so that, that that makes that, that makes these accidents you know somewhat more likely than than it would. So there, there's one catalyst here again, but again that that's kind of, that, that is very late in the year stuff. Um, the third third one is that just just that you know injury trees start to dwindle. So right. what we see effectively is a faster faster exports from the big agri exporters, and the injury trees dwindle faster than do it. So now there are three streams that might turn people's heads. Um, what is more likely, though, Belinda, is that we'll, you know, the, the combination of two or all of those um, will sort of come together to give it a bit of a timing. So, you know, in the end, we think prices need to be higher uh, to pay for it. We need the capacity expansion, and, you know, the market's going to find that out in anticipation, although either anticipate it or, or they'll find it out the hard way. So, um, that, that that's in a nutshell, is our view. I'm, I'm really interested to see how this pans out, not only because I think it's important to watch where food prices are going because given the height and focus on inflation at the moment, but investment uh, is always a good thing because it increases productive capabilities and, and can help control inflation in the medium term. Mm. Tobin, it's always great to hear your views on the agricultural space and really just how it's uh, being influenced by the broader macro uh, landscape. Thanks for joining that was great, Belinda. Thank you very much for having me again. Now, you can read uh, Tobin Gorey's AgQ, The Rest and the Ukraine Quarterly Update, and that was published on the 8th of September 2022 on combankresearch.com.au.